Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in K-State, home of your 2022 Big 12 champion, K-State Wildcats. Today, Reggie and I break down the championship game against TCU and briefly preview the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. But first, a message from our sponsor. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports. Information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use promo code Believe B L E A V five zero to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Joe. We are Big, the champions, my friend. Big 12 <laughs> champions. I'm telling you, my brother. Kansas State University has pulled it off and climbed its fourth year. One of the instant classic championship games you'll see. Very compelling. From wire to wire, up and down. We pull it out 38-28. Ty Zittner in the overtime gets it done. I mean, we got a lot to discuss. A lot of ups and downs. Turby, turb. You know, it just was an incredible game. Yeah, it's actually 31 to 28. I think you misspoke there. 38 to yeah, 28. No, 31 28. Yeah, it was exciting. Um, Nerve wracking game. Just went back and forth. K-State played great, uh, ended up, you know, game went in overtime. K-State got it done with a field goal by Zentner, and it was just an exciting day all around. Started out the day with college game day. The kids and I went to that, and that was fun to see. I had never been to one in person before, so that was fun to go to, and it was, you know, 95% K-State fans there. So I think yeah, how, how was that experience? Yeah, there was, I mean, we got there, I don't know, maybe around eight o'clock. So it was, it just started. There was a lot of people there and it was kind of nice, kind of neat to see the setup. And it's a huge production. 
and they got stage, different stages set up all over the place. And so we got relatively close at first. And then as people were leaving, we actually kept moving up and got closer and closer as it, as it went on. And they had the, you know, the big screens up so you could kind of see what the broadcast was like, but yeah, there was lots of, lots of neat signs from the K-State fans and, it was uh, Pat McAfee. I I did notice him. He he was he was really taking it all in, and th- even during the commercial breaks, where the other guys on the set were kind of prepping for the next segment, McAfee was kind of taking it all in. He would look, he would scan through the crowd and read the signs and laugh and kind of interact and point and wave at people and right. stuff like that. So he's more of like a fan. <laughs> You know, he's there to do a job, but he's he's also taking in the whole experience and he's really enjoying himself. And I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, that's interesting. I think the last time game day was in Manhattan, I did have the opportunity to experience that. That was years ago, IE's ago. Didn't get a chance to do it on Saturday, but that was good. A lot of fun to kind of get warmed up for the game. Yeah, and then we went, you know, the the TCU, we were wondering, wow, this is this might be a huge K-State crowd, but I think the TCU fans were kind of late comers to the game. They just kind of drove to the game. You know, they didn't they didn't come and tailgate or pregame or anything like that. They may have tailgated, I don't know, but they sure weren't at the college game day set. Um, not yeah. very many of them. But yeah, once we got in the stadium and when TCU came out running out on the field, I was like, "Oh yeah, there's a lot of them here." I would, oh, I would, yeah. I would guess it was probably fifty-five percent TCU and maybe forty-five percent K-State. That was just my guesstimate of it, but still a good showing by K-State fans traveling as they I always thought, do. Yeah, and I thought it was probably about the uh, about the same, about opposite, uh, about fifty-fifty. I thought. Yeah, it might have been, yeah. But it was it was definitely uh <laughs> it was definitely close though. Yeah. Yeah, neither uh, neither side really dominated the other, which was great. It was a great atmosphere and uh we had some TCU fans sitting by us and they were getting rowdy at times during the game, but then they got quiet at other times <laughs> thanks to K State. But uh one thing I noticed about their fan base is they didn't really yell and scream much on first and second down. Then they did a little on third down. And then on fourth downs, they really did get loud. And they obviously got loud when they scored touchdowns and got fumbles and, you know, made big plays and stuff like that. But as far as, you know, cheering down to down like K-State fans do, they did not do that, which, was, again, I just found that interesting as i was kind of taking it all in but yeah that was interesting well let's get on to the game recap joe um you know we both picked kansas state to win this thing in a close one i don't remember what my exact score was but i think i was fairly close i'm about to go back and listen to uh our last podcast but i knew it would be a nip and tuck game i thought while the game was progressing that once again we were going to get away from it, but TCU was a fighter. They came back, did what they needed to do, and uh, opened up with a drive. We came back and answered, and it just set the stage for uh, a very compelling game. 
Yeah, when that uh, when TCU marched right down for that first touchdown, I was a little bit worried. <laughs> I won't lie. I'm um, sure. And but we, you know, we traded drives after that, and then TCU actually drove down again and missed the field goal, and that was a huge point in the game because the momentum went back to K State. And that's what K-State drove down. And that's when Will Howard had that touchdown pass that Ben Sinnott on fourth and one from the six-yard line. So K-State was able to tie the game after that. Again, the teams traded possessions. But then K-State took the lead when Will Howard threw that 40-yard pass to Malik Knowles. And then that he followed that up with an 18-yard pass to Deuce Vaughn where he, where he caught it near the goal line, probably on the one-yard line. And then Will Howard ran it in, uh, gave K-State four, the 14-7 lead. So, Yeah, once we got the 14-7 lead, uh, you know, I was starting to feel a little, uh, you know, a little, a little bullish. Uh, uh, about what was going on. Well, it was actually, then it came to be 14 to 10 at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was 14 to 10. Then we, then we come down though, uh, in the third quarter, open up the game. We get a 25 yard pass to Garcia on a nice drive. Nose is out. I'm a little skeptical with him being out of the game. But this kid, R.J. Garcia, I've been praising him all year. We never really got a chance to see him because I think Warner, Knowles, and, you know, those guys that just really carried it, and Brooks carried a load. And this guy, but this is one we're going to look for next year. You can see his ability. It looked like there was a, a very strong catch with confidence that he made. It was a nice throw in a perfect area by um, by a quarterback as well. Uh, Will Howard putting it in a spot where only Garcia can make the play. Yeah, a couple things to unpack there. Um, R.J. Garcia is really good friends with Deuce Vaughn, and I was reading the post-game comments, and Deuce Vaughn mentioned that they're good friends and that Garcia was getting – Frustrated as the season went on because Garcia thought, you know, he's practicing well, but he's not really seeing the field much. And he was starting to get frustrated. Right. And and Deuce kind of calmed him down and said, hey, look, you got some seniors in front of you on the depth chart. You'll get your time. And when you get get out there on the field, you just got to make plays. And that's, you know, that's what happened. And you mentioned Will Howard. He's making NFL throws now (laughs) and a a few throws in the game where you were like wow these are these are great throws that he's making and i'm just you know we say it every week but i'm just amazed at at how he's progressed as a quarterback and just played great and I, you know, I, I do see an NFL future for him now because he's he's making those throws that the NFL scouts like to see. No, it's no doubt. I, I he's throwing it and he's throwing it with confidence, Joe. That that can really, really set himself apart from the rest of the, uh, you know, quarterbacks taking some chances, putting it inside some windows 
that um, you know Martinez wouldn't even attempt some of those windows. Right. So it, it definitely makes a significant difference in the, in Klein's ability to call the plays, but also you know for those guys to um, get those receivers really involved. And I think when they know it get thrown around a little bit, they seem to step up a little more. Now, when we took Joe, we took the twenty-one to ten lead on Garcia touchdown, but then and then we get a great stop. Yeah, Felix T-T- had that sack. Big sack. The yeah. place is going bananas. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It is at a place. We We're all feeling it at that point. <laughs> you can just sense that, okay, we're ready to put our foot down, get some separation, get the ball back, and you can just feel it. If we get the ball back, get a very decent return, we're going to go down and score again, and we're going to get this thing up by 18 points. I just felt 28 to 10 all over again. When we play TCU again, you can just see it and mm-hmm. taste it and visualize it. Yep. But then, lo and behold, here we go. The football yeah. guys had a different plan for us right. on Saturday. <laughs> uh, Philip Brooks muffed the punt. Muffed the punt. It's, it's a really kind of corner-type different kick. It's not a normal, traditional kick. Joe, you have to just let this ball bounce. Whatever it does, if it go out of bounds or go later, there's no significant upside, really, in my thought process, for him really to catch the ball. You're right. And I commented a couple times during the game how good TCU's punter is. He was punting some good balls. and Very good. There were a couple times where Brooks, you could tell he didn't know whether to fair catch it or not. I mean, this is prior to the muff. You know, he was wondering whether, well, should I fair catch this one or should I catch it and run? Or because, you know, you could just tell because sometimes he would, he'd call that fair catch really late or, you know, he'd be, you know, the cut, the coverage would be getting down by him. And uh, he was kind of hesitant a couple of times, I noticed. But yeah. I'm yeah, not... you, can, you can almost tell that that was brewing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because of the hesitation. Right. And you're right. He's, I, I watched the game again last night, and he he definitely should have either fair caught it or let it bounce, like you said. There were defenders all over him, <laughs> you know, by yeah, the time, by the time yeah. he tried to catch the ball. Right. I think he maybe was trying to because he just dropped it. But it was just at a weird yeah, angle. Might have. Right, yeah. Yeah, it was at a real angle, Joe, to where just let it bounce. You know, if it bounces out of bounds or if it bounces a little bit further, okay, keeping the ball versus turning it over was the best value. But it happened. So TCU takes advantage of it instantly. couple yeah. plays, they score, six-yard run, Kendrick Miller, 21-17, now we're back in the ball game. Whole momentum yeah. play changes. Mm-hmm. The place goes nuts. 
that TCU crowd did start coming alive. You start feeling the energy. Yeah. You start getting getting a sense that, you know, we were in for a dog fight. But we come back. Uh, we go into the fourth quarter, up 21-17. Then we get a big, spectacular run by Deuce Vaughn, 44-yard run, makes it 28-17. to K-State with about 11-27 left in the fourth quarter. We're holding by 11, but you knew we weren't out of the woods yet. You kind of skipped over a couple of possessions there. And what I thought was after uh, TCU cut it to 21 to 17, K-State punted on the next drive and TCU yeah. was driving down the field and in the red zone, and they were within the 10 yard line. And that's when uh, Julius Brantz had that interception to Max Duggan. It definitely, it definitely. And I was, I was really worried when TCU – I thought TCU was going to take the lead there, and that might be ball game, actually. But that was, I thought, if not the play of the game, one of the plays of the game by Julius Brents getting that interception. Yeah, it was, and, and I was going to come back. Yeah, yeah, it was – I was going to pivot back to that on purpose, Joe, but – and talk about Brents, and I'm glad you brought that up because he was in a battle for his life. The entire day. He was. Oh, man, what a battle. It was fun to watch, actually. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Watch those two go at it. And, you know, people I was sitting with, my son and everything, they were getting frustrated on a couple of those pass interference calls. But I was like, man, he's doing what he can out there. He's just trying to do everything he can to get him to not catch the ball, you know. Right. And to try to stay with him. And he he did make some good plays. Now, he did have some obvious pass interference calls. But, I mean, it, it was a battle between those two all day. Yeah, I think he had a couple obvious ones. Because I, I, I might he might have had three total. But I think one or two was obvious. But then there was some in there that could have went back and forth. You yeah. know, you kind of just let them play on. But it was definitely... A, a battle. Uh, I commend K-State of just letting him be on an island like that without really giving him any help uh, at all. I probably would have bracketed him a little bit, um, Joe, maybe put a safety over the top, maybe sacrifice a little something else um, to do it. But Julius Brent showed that he's he, he had the moxie and the wherewithal and he's going to be a pro himself. Because that's probably the second or or number one receiver that's going to be taken in this year's NFL draft that he was going against. Yep, and Brent's held his own for the most part. No, you're right, but he, you did back up, and that was an excellent interception. Duggan kind of underthrew it, but yeah. Brent was in great position to get it done, though, as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he turned around, and the ball kind of came right to him. But still um, – give him credit on that play. And then right after that play, that's when K-State drove down and Deuce had that long run, 44-yarder, where, you know, again, he jukes a guy out of his jock strap. (laughs) That was just amazing. He just did one juke, and the TCU defender, he he just fell down. Like, he couldn't even control his body. He just fell down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was a big boy. It was a big boy, big time run by uh, by yeah. Deuce Vaughn for sure. Yeah. 
And then the momentum started to swing a little bit, Joe, uh, a lot. You know, TCU comes down, they get a field goal. But then once again, we have to punt again. Uh, you know, we, we get a little bit of drive, and then we have to punt again. We can't get another score. Now, I thought kind of in this middle of the middle to early part of the fourth quarter, Joe, on a couple possessions with me, myself, I thought K-State was playing the game a little too close to the vest because Deuce did have that big run, but I don't think those big runs are going to happen all the time. I thought we should have still stayed a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I know we wanted to run it to establish it and try to end the game, but against a team like TCU, I still think we should have pushed the ball down the field a little bit more at some point to the game. That's just my thoughts. I agree with you. And Kleiman gets conservative in these games, and we've talked about it all season in certain games where they get a lead and they they go conservative. That's all you can say. They try to run clock, and they're not as aggressive. Now, the end result, your Big 12 champions, <laughs> they won enough games to get that done. But, yeah, just frustrating to watch within the games that, you know, they get aggressive. They're aggressive to get out to these leads, and then they go conservative. Where if yeah, they stayed aggressive, it would save us, save all of our blood pressures from <laughs> spiking yeah. all the time. <laughs> I think so, Joe. You know, I, I really do. I, I, and, and I think we got the quarterback to do it, and, and he has enough wherewithal where we can trust him to not make a mistake because sometimes you don't want your gunslinger to get too far willy-nilly where he makes a mistake. But I think Will Howard is smart enough. Um, if he's in a position to throw the ball away, get to the check down, do what we need to do. I just think when we get into some of these games against some of these high-quality competition, especially teams that score a lot, we're going to have to be a team that scores in the 30s and 40s to win some of these games sometimes because yeah. no matter how well you play defensively, sometimes these teams are just will will themselves back in the game. And that almost what happened here with TCU and Max Duggan, this guy single handedly the last drive wheeled TCU to a touchdown. We had a breakdown on the, Containment, he goes for a very big long run, uh, huge run, you know, scores, you know, a 40-yard run up yeah. the sideline. Felix loses contain. Uh, I don't know if we had some kind of game, a stunt on or something in that, but our defense was gassed, too. You can yeah, see you we took were the gassed. words out of my mouth. I was just going to say that. You could tell we were gassed. And I, yeah. I I kept thinking that whole drive, thank God we're up by eight points. That's all I thought that whole drive. Because you, yeah. could, you could tell what was going to happen. You really could. Yeah. yeah, it's going. So they get down. They score. And then it just seemed like the two. This guy's gasping the quarterback, Duggan. I don't know how he muscles the energy. He gets up on the center and completes the, the two-point conversion. Now we're all square. Unbelievable. 
Yeah. <laughs> and K-State so, still has some time left on the clock. They could have got into field goal range. Of course, they didn't get it done, but they got across midfield at least. So that um, leads me to that two-minute offense. I really thought we were going to come down and kick the field goal, and I visualized Ty Zetner winning this thing in regulation. Mm-hmm. I thought we had enough time to do that. But I don't know our two-minute drill um, is not as crisp or as clean as it needs to be. It still seems like we're a little slower and methodical than what we should be instead of just getting up there hitting it. Go, 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 go. I, I thought the very first play of that drive, I know they thought about running it, but I wouldn't even would have thought about running it, Joe. Yeah. Let's just go. Now, maybe you could try a screen or something different, uh, but not just a traditional run. Let's push it down the field, be mindful of where the ball is thrown, throw it to the perimeter, safe throws. Then if we don't go nothing, see nothing, we run out the clock and take our chances in overtime. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't disagree with you. Yeah, it's just it's just my thoughts on it. I, I, I just was like, let's go for it and go for it. But let's not kind of half put our toe in the water. That's the kind of way I looked at it. Well, anyway, we get into overtime. Uh, We win the toss, so we defer, meaning that TCU gets the ball first. Uh, TCU, bang, bang, couple plays. Next thing you know, they're at the one-yard line. (laughs) And actually, I mean, that, play, we, that, that play to get down to the one, Duggan almost got in on that play. Luckily, his eye was down before the ball crossed. But Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know what we, what kind of form of defense we was playing initially, but they get the ball down to the one-yard line, and now we make the greatest couple plays, stops in the history of Kansas State football on defense. On yep. the one-yard line, and we stopped them. Yeah, and I, I wrote in my blog, I said, the 2011 Miami game, the goal line stand in that game was kind of considered the best goal line stand in K-State history, but this one tops it just because of those last two plays. Just now, amazing. Let, now, let me ask you, Joe, were you surprised, and I think we know the answer, that they ran Miller uh, right up the gut, it was right on the goal line. At some point, I was thinking quarterback sneak. I think the whole world was thinking quarterback sneak. Or even Max Duggan keeping the ball himself to get it in there. Did you think there was a possibility that Duggan just was so tired that the coaching staff of TCU said, you know what, Sonny Dykes, let's put it in the hand of our running back. He's rushed for over 13, 14, 1500 some yards. He's our horse. He should be able to get one inch in. I mean, I didn't have a problem with the play calls, actually. I mean, Contre Miller is awesome. He's the, you know, he's been awesome for him all all year. Yeah, he could have snuck it, but I mean, you want to get the ball in your, the hands of your best player, too, you know. So, I mean, looking back on it, since they weren't successful, yeah, you always second guess it. 
But at the time, I didn't really see a problem with those play calls that they made. Me either, because of the the probability of him getting it in on at least one of those was extremely high. Yeah. Uh, We just made some extraordinary adjustments on defense. Uh, Got great penetration up front with the linemen. The linebackers field with, with, with vigor and venom. And, and we were able to stop them. It was an incredible, incredible feat. I, I, I was considered that they would have took a chance and maybe kicked the field goal. Now, I'll throw that back to you. That's debatable. You know, we would have still could have won the game by scoring a touchdown. But did you think Sonny Dykes at any point thought about kicking a field goal? I don't think so. Being down on the one yard line, they play aggressive. They always go for it on fourth down or not always, but most of the time, I mean, very often they go for it on fourth down and I knew they were going to go for it on fourth. And since it wasn't even on my mind that they'd kick the field goal, I'm sure it wasn't in his mind that they were ever going to kick the field goal. Yeah. And I never thought he would either, but it, it, it is, it is a debate that you can have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can always because, go back and second guess in hindsight. So, because it wasn't like we were lighting it up offensively in the fourth quarter, uh, we were moving the ball. Now you're only dealing with 25 yards, but we still would have had to go 25 yards to win the game, mm-hmm. uh, and the field goal could have tied. Well, we we got it done. Now we get what the about ball. that? What about that? Uh, Fourth down play by Eli Huggins. Now he, yeah. I mean, what a play by him. I mean, Daniel Green oh, got the penetration first, but Eli Huggins, I mean, the guy blocking him didn't even move him. Huggins is just driving and driving. It's like he was hitting one of those tackling sleds in practice. And he just yeah. put his body into him and just kept moving and moving and moving forward. And when Miller hit him or they hit each other, Miller didn't go a millimeter. I mean, no, he did. Yeah, Huggins he did. stopped him in his tracks. He wasn't going anywhere. That was it. I mean, I, you know, I said on Twitter yesterday, give that guy two rings for that play, man. No, <laughs> Eli, play. no Eli Huggins, they got balled out. Uh, oh man! With that penetration, you know he he anticipated a good snap count. He was physical at the point of attack. He did. You couldn't draw it on a chalkboard no cleaner than that. All right, I mean, that's right. I mean, <laughs> I mean he 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 pitched perfect technique. With and then Daniel Green, like I said, followed back up with it. It was an incredible. It was an incredible goal line stand. That's all I could say for those guys to get us in position to only needing a field goal uh, to win the game. It, it was an it was an incredible incredible situation. I know now, you appreciated that as a defensive lineman. So uh, oh yeah, no that's that's the way you that's the way you draw it up. You want to be in a position to be able to make those plays. Now coming down to it. The philosophy for K-State, knowing they only needed a field goal, you know, we ran a few good plays, got it closer, did pretty good. Then we went with a safe, what they call, climbing safe, called Wisconsin 
just get the ball in the middle of the field. But we did gain about, what, 10 yards? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we had a couple plays. We gained about 10 yards, which was good. Uh, I, I was kind of wanting to go ahead and, you know, hopefully we can get a touchdown. But we only needed a field goal. And six weeks ago when we had our other kicker, I wouldn't have felt good about the situation. But right. Ty Zetner, you know, is it was eight for eight coming in. He's been banging everything, had a great day with punts as well, and on kickoffs. In lieu of a bad snap or something dumb happening, you felt pretty solid that he was going to knock it in. And he felt solid about it. He ran out onto the field with a huge smile on his face. He's like, yeah, I, I'm making this. <laughs> you know, I have never seen a kicker like that, not nervous at all on a game-winning wow. kick. He, he, just, he wow. ran out there smiling. Oh, I'm having fun. I'm going to make this field goal, and we're the champions. <laughs> no, he, 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 has, he had tremendous confidence. If you can he, ever yeah. give a kicker the most valuable player award on a team, this guy's in consideration for it. Well, you know, I'm going to give my big ball award, and let me tell you, he's way up there in consideration for it, not only because of the game winner, um, but because of what he was able to do in the punting game as well. Yeah. But I but I tell you, to just sum, summarize before we get into our big baller, the, Kansas State, you know, had an opportunity, I thought, to put this game away. TCU had a few opportunities, too, to where they could have clawed back and made it a lot more difficult than what it was. But at the end of the day, I think we were just more resilient. Uh, I think the kids never gave up. They fought to the end. And it, and it was Kansas State time to win a Big 12 championship. Congratulations to the Wildcats again. Yeah, congratulations to them. And they... They were a team destiny this year, and those kids love each other. They love their coach. There's not a bad apple in the group, and you could just see it all year. They got behind each other. They were confident going in the game. They were confident throughout the game, and they were confident at the end of the game. They just came together as a team, and it was just, yeah, what a great season and what a great game. So my big ball of the week, uh, I got three people in consideration, Joe. Uh, And it probably could have been four, but I went with um, number one again, Deuce Vaughn, 26 carries, 130 yards, 5.0 average, one TD rushing, had a long of 44 yards. Very good game for him as well. Also receiving He had two receptions, 30 yards. A big 18-yard snatch down to by the goal line was a big catch. If you really look at that catch and how he attacked the ball, that was a big possession uh, on the receiving catch that he had. So, once again, 160 yards of total offense from Deuce Vaughn. Puts the team on his back like he's always done it, Joe. Uh, what else can you say about Deuce? Yeah, he was the most outstanding player of the game. Yep. 
and he got that award. So yeah, he, I mean, he was just great as normal as usual. What what else can my, you say? Yeah, and then my second nominee is uh, the other deuce on defense twenty two, and that's Daniel Green. He had ten solo tackle, ten total tackles, six solos. Just played very consistent football. He had to chase around Duggan, but he had some very impactful defensive plays against Miller on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, we kept Miller under 100 yards, which I thought was important. Yeah, Duggan did rush for 110 yards, but Miller only rushed for 82 yards on 17 carries and only had one long one, 21 yards. It's a little bit longer than what you like. But for the most part, we was able to keep him in check. And Daniel Green was a big part of that. He was a monster out there, that's for sure. Had a great game. And then my other last nominee is who we talked about earlier. Ty Zittner gets the game winner in overtime, 31-yarder. He was 4 for 4 on extra points. And he had seven punts for 319 yards. A 45.6 average, four points, four punts, I mean, were inside the 20-yard line. He had a long of 56 yards. It's just a very, very unsung hero of this guy. And Kleiman mentioned it in his post-game press conference. This guy down the stretch, if he was placed kicking in the TCU game before, we may be looking at a different type of record for the Wildcats. Yeah, I think we would be. He, I already said it. He's He's been amazing all year. He's been amazing all year punting, and then when he came in and started kicking, he hasn't missed a field goal. Can't do any better than that. <laughs> so. Yeah. So it's a hard choice, Joe, but my big ball of the week is the very confident Ty Zedner with the game winner and his punting abilities, and his kickoff abilities. He'll get the big ball of the week. He'll edge out Deuce Vaughn in a very, very close week. No Deuce Vaughn was a player of the game for the Big 12, but my big baller of a Big 12 championship is Ty Zedner. I like it, man. Like I said, if there's ever time to give it to a kicker, now's the time. <laughs> no doubt. So... Before we close this thing out today, um, Joe, we do know who our opponent is uh, in the Sugar Bowl. So Alabama. K-State is playing one of the most historic college teams in the country, Blue Blood Program, Nick Saban. How many national championships in the last decade? Uh, Too many. Uh, Five? Five or six. Yeah. So we're not quite sure what Alabama's going to do as far as players and opt out and that, but we're going to do more on the Sugar Bowl later in the month. But your early observation in matching up against Alabama, give me your thoughts. I like matching up against them because I want to see exactly where K State's program stands. I know they just won the Big 12. But on a national basis, I want them to play the best 
and get a gauge on <clears throat> how far we still have to go as a program. Because the ultimate goal is the national championship, right? Yep. Chris Klein has won them at a different level. Now he wants to win them at this level. And this is a good first step in order to do that. And this is this will be a great test for K-State to see where they are as a program in relation to one of the best programs, if not the best out there. They didn't they're not gonna win it all this year, but they were still in consideration to make the playoff. No so, doubt. So they're one of the best, I, if not the best programs in the country. I couldn't say it any better than what you just say and how you laid it out, Joe. My thoughts on Kansas State playing Alabama, as I told this to a lot of friends the other day, I want everyone to play for Alabama. I don't hope yeah. they have I hope they have no single opouts. I hope Bryce Young, Anderson, all the detail, every single player for Alabama playing this game like they're getting ready to play for the national championship. Because I know Kansas State, we're going to practice and we're going to take this game very serious. And we're gonna we're gonna bring our best effort as well. But it will give us a litmus test, win or lose, of where Kansas State is at in relation to the best of the best. Because everybody considers and we still consider Alabama one of the best programs in the country. And if you go toe to toe with them and if you beat them, you got a very good gauge of where you're at. If you get blowed out by twenty twenty five, you know where you're at. Right. <laughs> if you if if you lose a close one by a field goal, you know where you're at. So in all circumstances, we'll know exactly where the program's at, where we at, and how we can compete. And I and I'm looking forward, and I know the players are as well, are looking forward to the challenge of competing against the best of the best. And so it's just gonna be a fantastic uh, opportunity for the Wildcats to get our program uh, on a national stage and to be able to go against one of the big blue buds. I'm hoping they, like I said, everybody plays. There's no excuses. And we see where the chips fall. Yeah, I hope there's no excuses. I, I don't want to hear, well, Alabama didn't have so-and-so and they, you know, they sat seven players and they weren't at 100%. and. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear any of that. You know, Alabama's second team players have more stars behind their names in the recruiting services than any of K-State's players. No doubt. No so doubt. even so if we, we're playing against the second stringers, they're still very talented. And they'll, they'll be well coached, too. So just, just because they're not starters doesn't mean a lot to me. You're still going against, overall, the best program out there. No doubt. I want all the smoke. Bring all the smoke. All Alabama, the best of the best they got. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's tee it up and see what K-State does and get out there and compete. Well, that brings us to a close, Joe. Believe in K-State. We believe all year. We got a conference championship, big A conference championship to talk about and to hang our hat on. And people probably wonder sometimes, Joe, to get in perspective of winning a conference championship. We've only won three of these in Kansas State's football history. Um, four, if you go way yeah. back to the 30s in the Big Six. Right. <laughs> but the Big 12 slash Big 8 
we've only won three. We won one in the Big Six. So technically, it's four in the history of the Kansas State University football program. We're talking about conference championships. So that's a big deal. It's a big deal to win one. Now, we know it's a stepping stone. It's an elevation to the next step of the national championship. But me and you have been fortunate enough to be around to see these three uh, conference championships by K-State. And uh, we just can't take these things lightly because they just don't come around that often. No, they don't. It, and it, to be honest, it hasn't seemed like 10 years since the last one, but it has been. And, and 10 years is a long time. So it's kind of it's kind of weird that it's been almost 10 years between each one. Exactly. So hopefully we don't and have to wait another 10 years. And it's far in between. But it definitely shows the dominance of a program like Oklahoma. Because yeah. I don't know the stat right off, Joe, but you may know. Since the Big 12 and its existence, uh, you know, K-State has won three. I think Texas has won three. Um, Baylor's won one, right? Yeah. Uh, there's not, other than Oklahoma, there's not other too many other teams that can say that won Big 12 championships. And K-State, is, K-State and Oklahoma are the only two programs to win a championship in each iteration of the Big 12. Correct. The original one and then the one where they didn't have a conference championship and then now. Right. So it's us in Oklahoma that have, have, have won it in all three iterations. So that's something to hang your hat on, too. That's a big deal. Yeah, it really shows that how dominant Oklahoma has been over the last years. Yeah. Um, I think, And I think we have just as many as Texas, right? Um, Big twelve, Big Twelve championships. I yeah, I think they have three. Yeah, I think they got three. Yeah, and we have three. I think, and they were all early on in the conference. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, all right, my brother. Believe in K State. Bet online. Don't forget to put your bets in. Let's bring us to a close of another one. Oh, I went to bet. I went to bet before the game on. Saturday, dumb me. Well, betting isn't legal in Texas. (laughs) I forgot to check that out first, but yeah, I'm I'm on my app before the game trying to get logged into the betting app, and then I I'm like I can't get connect. What what, is betting not legal here? And Dylan goes, No, it's not. You had to place your bet when we were still in Kansas. (laughs) Yeah, you have to make it in Kansas, my brother. Oh well. Well, all right, my brother. We'll catch up with you soon. We'll get a Sugar Bowl preview coming up soon. And uh, go Wildcats. It's go Wildcats. Time. Yep. Thanks, Everybody Reggie. Have a good one. All Thank right, you, you sir. Too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.